This is The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hey everyone, this is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to this morning's episode of The Wealth Standard Radio. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. This is episode 168, and we are calling it the Economics Trump Hillary. Economics of Trump Hillary. I like that. You like, you like that? Yeah. Or am I jumping in too early? Do I need to wait for you, the actual introduction? Let's, let's kind of go back. No, I'm just kidding. So th- let's uh, yeah. Well, let's let's introduce Chunga. Hey. Let's introduce Chunga. Chunga. It's th- about time, man. This is, this is honestly the topic is going to be cool. Right? I think so. But yeah. You're even cooler is actually doing a podcast with you. You're like you're like for the Dosekis guy. Right, yes. they should replace him with you. I have right? campaigned. You're, you have? Yeah. I think you need some gray hair. You need some gray hair. Oh, please. I'm and... gray as an old mule. Look at my dyed hair. <laughs> I could have the gray hair in a second. Yeah, by the way, go on, uh, you know, if you guys want to check us out live and in color, uh, we're on YouTube. So go check us uh, check us out on the YouTube channel. We have our last, what, six, seven episodes on there. Great fun. But but anyway, yeah, you definitely, you're the most, you're one of, if not one of the most interesting I've had men a very blessed and very charmed life without a doubt. Well, I, I I'm more I think I'm more like Forrest Gump yeah. than I am. Well, you're just the, a cool you're a cool you, you play you played goalie. You played hockey. Hockey player for right? about 23 years. Yeah. You love music. Huge music guy. I played uh, guitar since I was in 8th grade and I've been an EDM DJ touring the world playing electronic dance music. Yeah, for, so you were a local celebrity or are a local celebrity here in Salt Lake. You were on what stations again? 96? I was one of the original DJs that started a station called X96. Mm-hmm. And after doing that for about five years, I went on to found 107.5 The End. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. then changed to 101.9 The End. Got it, got it. So and did that for a long time. So you're like, you're like, and you've given me great pointers of, of how to do radio. And I probably, don't, I? I probably don't listen because I, you know, it's... I don't know. I'm always afraid when I give you pointers, you're like, Psh, whatever. Chunga. No, I'm just kidding. Got this down, no, son. But, no, but it's awesome to have you here. And I know that you, you you did a, a little stint in uh, in Boston doing some uh, political talk radio. I did a WTKK 96.9 Boston Talks, which sadly is no longer uh, around anymore. It was one of the casualties of the broadcast radio industry, which is you know in decline, as I think everybody knows, with yeah. digital technology being what it is. It's... Sadly, radio is not what it used to be. Well, I'm going to turn the time over to you in just a second for Trump Hillary, the economics <laughs> of Trump Hillary. But before it was, it was it, so I never told you this, but I went to a podcast conference a couple years ago. Okay. And at the conference, it was fascinating because he had all these like entrepreneurial guys that were, you know, they had their iPad, they had a little mic on their iPad, and they were, right. you know, getting millions of downloads. But then you had these like old school radio guys. Yep. And it was fascinating because you had, you know, I remember a couple of sessions where uh, one of the guys was up there. And he was old school. He was like an architecture podcast or whatever. And he was uh-huh. going through like the entire week. And he'd say, okay, well, we on Monday, we spend two to three hours scripting this. And then Tuesday, we do a practice run and we cut out. And then Wednesday, wow. we do like an audio test and we script this and do this. And then, you know, finally by Friday is when we'll have the final one done. And then there's this girl that got up right after and she's like – and she was like an actress. And she does the um, – the women, ah, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the, the podcast. Super famous podcast. Is she an actress that you know? I don't know. I don't remember her name. She's like the, she's the, she was the uh, African American girl on Friends. She's, okay. um, so she's, she's been, done stuff. She's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so she got up and she's like, you know, expletive, expletive. That guy's full of, you know, yep. and, and said, I get 10 times as many downloads as him. And here's what I do for my podcast plug in the mic, interview the person, do the edits, upload, done. 
And it was it was funny because it what that was I guess one of the examples, but it just showed you know there was a couple other like uh, panels where it was very very similar dynamic where you had these old school radio guys and then right. you had like the new school podcast guys. Well, I think I think the uh, I think the best podcast probably lies somewhere in between those yeah, two. Yeah. Uh, I had a real battle coming out of radio. I, I run a network called Podbash, podbash.com, go check it out. Uh, <laughs> I, I got I got a, I yeah, got a, I got a slime for my stuff promotion. I'm yeah, just exactly. So uh, but uh, I I had a real battle coming out of radio and realizing that podcasting is an entirely different animal mm -hmm. and and there is a charm to maybe not having the quality be so good. And there's a charm to maybe not having everything be quite so polished. There's mm -hmm. a uh, maybe an honesty and a credibility that was lost in the broadcast industry that yeah. people are really responding to, especially if you have a neck beard and gauged ears, and, <laughs> which is which is what a lot of a neck, podcast a listeners beard. do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the fad. That's the fad these days is those neck, the neck beards. And I don't the, get and the, it. And the stash. Not at all. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I shave every day and or my almost wife, every my day. My wife would kill me. So let's let's uh so yeah so it, it's it's gonna be awesome to have to do this I've won, I've been looking forward to this for uh, for a while but let's uh yeah would you want to well, well this is well this is I'm really glad you had me on this particular show because I do have a political background mm -hmm. I've been lucky enough to do some media consulting for political figures some mm -hmm. some high name political figures and uh, I think there's probably a lot of people that that listen to the Well Standard Radio every single week or that may be coming in that may be a little bit younger that either A, may not understand your background mm -hmm. because you are a very humble man and you don't talk about your background very mm -hmm. much, mm -hmm. uh, or that may not understand the implications that politics has on the economy. Everybody here as well, we all remember the crash of 2008 and 2009, and we all know that that, uh, that George W. Bush and his administration, if you are left-leaning, you tend to blame that administration for those problems yep. and and vice versa. And it, 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 listen, it can go on and on and on. But beyond that, I think a lot of people may not quite understand the implications of an election on the economy, even even the election itself. So I've got tons of questions for you because you don't you have you have guys like Andy Tanner on the show. You have guys like Will Street, who mm -hmm. is awesome and a very funny guy, yep. also very knowledgeable. Uh, and you tend to kind of fire off the questions, but nobody, at least from what I've heard, tends to go, okay, Patrick, you're in the hot seat. This will be a first, I think. Is it really? I don't know. This is a first? I think I've asked my, I think I've been on by myself and asked myself questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> we see him do counts. that in the halls, too. <laughs> oh, and we're thinking, oh, Patrick's having a day. Oh, Just leave him alone. Uh, so this is what I would like to do with you, is maybe... With your economics background, for mm -hmm. people who don't know, mm -hmm. that's what you studied in mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. Where where did you go to school? First of all, uh, the I went to a, a college up in uh, upstate New York called Marist College, and then uh, transferred to University of Utah. Finished up finished up there. Okay. Yep. And you spent all of that time studying economics. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So uh, with an economics background, uh, this should be a breeze for you to for me to be able to say okay. Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, what does all yeah. this mean uh, with regard to the average layperson who may not follow a the election or b the economy every single day? Well, I would say I would say the first thing is you know the the formal education I got I don't think uh, really compares to what I studied after. So I got sure. into just the you know once I started to dive into kind of the history of, of economics I you know after I graduated I started to to, to read and. Uh, and learn a lot more uh, about it because 
there was uh, kind of some left-leading curriculum associated with with uh, with University of Utah, right? Where it focused a lot. Well, on... most universities actually. I it mean, is... that's that's pretty much the standard now, is it not? Yeah, it's very it's very kind of demand oriented, and what that means is that you know it's the government trying to create demand in the economy so that the economy will grow, mm-hmm. right? So that's a very Keynesian side of things, and mm-hmm. we can get into that with you know two thousand eight, two thousand nine. As well as what's gonna, you know, what we're gonna talk about with Trump, Trump. That must have been that must have been very interesting for you to be a capitalist going to a left leaning school, yeah, uh, and studying the economy. Did yeah. you have a lot of left leaning people studying economics? I don't know. I, and I don't even know if I was a capitalist then. I don't even know if I'm a capitalist now. I'm, I'm kind of like a quasi, you know, just cluster. I guess you're like Tigger. <laughs> Tigger, <laughs> you're the only one. Yeah, yeah. but I, I uh, would say, you know, it, it, one of the things with with Keynes, I just didn't, you know, the, the idea that. You know, you had a central body that was it was you know mandating this and this and this and trying to control things. I just never I never saw that ever work, and I really wasn't able to articulate it at that point. But I saw that when you do have kind of like a, a centralized type of planning, where I think the motivations are genuine. Okay, the motivations mm-hmm. are good, but it rarely it rarely works out because you still have a human being that's dictating policy, this, 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 or this. And in the end, you know, human beings are irrational and you never know how they're going to behave. Sure. But yet, you know, the economic side of things is, you know, they have these calculated, well, if we do this, then this will happen and then that'll happen and then we'll have this output. And it's like, okay, yeah, but there's so many variables in between. And, and all those variables relate so, to human nature. Right. And people are change. panicky and jittery and, yeah. and yeah, it's like herding cats. Well, they so. should do this if this happens. Yeah, but they might not. And then it totally screws up the whole model. So that's one of the things I didn't really, and I still haven't seen it, is that you're never going to have this like utopia perfect world, right? Because people are always going to make decisions that you never expect. Uh, and and that's where I would say- Can I know, just tell you, look, I, I want to stop you right there for a second if I can, because this could possibly turn into an entire podcast series, because there are so many financial experts that I follow or that I see on the news or that I read, mm-hmm. and every single one of them talks about financial conditions under ideal, in an ideal world. Yeah. Or there are, you know, I don't, I don't want to call anybody out because it's just not appropriate mm-hmm. for me, but Dave Ramsey, um, who, uh, <laughs> who will say something, well, here, you don't, it's really simple. Don't spend more than you make. Mm-hmm. Don't have credit cards. Don't use credit. Don't mm-hmm. do this. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. And in an ideal world, that's a very, very simple thing to do. However, yeah. in a credit-based society, yeah. I just don't know how realistic it is. Well, I also think it's it's the motivation there. Because is his motivation genuine? It is. Because I think he's seen harmful situations because of debt. But at the same time, you know, I've seen families. I, there was an ad that I love. I, I need to pull it up for you. But there's this guy that posted this classified ad. Uh-huh. that said, I'm selling my Les Paul. I'm selling my amps because Dave Ramsey is making, you know, making me, you know, sell all of our, you know, doodads or goodies so we can get our, all of our debt paid off. So it's kind of like, you know, you, <laughs> you, you sa- for a great life. You sac- it? Seriously, and that's the point is when you sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying that the advice is bad. I'm just saying that, you know, li- life is about our experiences. Life is about, you know, our families, our relationships. And right. if you start to, you know, alienate that because of not doing this or not doing that. Now, again, you have to be a good steward over your resources. But I would say in the end, you know, if you sacrifice those things, which were meant to, to you know, be here for. Then in the end you're gonna wind up with some money, but nothing else. Well, you just you just kind of made my point. I mean, 
it, to me, it's very, very simple. Life is all about experiences. At the end of the day, you can't take it with you. Yep. You're not going to go into the ground going, man, that dude had a zero FICO score. Yeah. He was so awesome. <laughs> Look at his massive house he had and, and no credit. Yeah, but I, can, I, can put your, but I can put your credit score on your, on, your, uh, on your gravestone. Yeah, his kids don't know him. They're all <laughs> writing books about him. But, uh, but man, what a great man. Yeah, all, I, to me, that yeah. just doesn't seem very realistic. Yeah, but also, I mean, it's the same thing as, you know, any, any advice, I would say that the, the motivation behind it is, is good. But in the end, you have to really kind of see between the lines. And I think that, you know, we'll get into the politics, but I think, you know, the, the financial talking heads, um, you know, they're, they're more demagogues than anything else where it's just like, you do this and you do this and you're dumb if you don't and you're dumb. You know, it's one of those things where they're the overlord, you're the, you know, the neophyte that doesn't know anything and you should just do everything that they it's say. It's pretty amazing to me that there are as many people drinking the Kool-Aid as there are. Uh, because those people, I, it's look. I watch them. I do study them. I read them. Uh, I have a lot of problems with what they say. Just like like we've said, and I don't want to belabor the point, but mm-hmm. they they do tend to go with the path of least resistance to um, a stress free life, which, in my opinion, is not stress free at mm-hmm. all, yep. and it's not much of a life. Mm-mm. And uh, I would really like to see somebody like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we can do a podcast series about this. Tell us how to do it in a realistic manner, in a real world uh, scenario where we don't have to give up everything, our Les Paul yeah. and our amplifiers. Yeah. We don't have to give up all that kind of stuff yep. to, to have a good life. Well, I wrote, a, you know, I wrote a, an ebook, and gosh, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's like how to get a, yeah, it's how to get a ten percent raise every year for life or whatever. But the idea of that book was. The, the, the when you earn income, money comes from somebody else, and money comes from somebody else because you provided value. Sure. Right. The fact that you can provide value means that you know there's something about you that is important to somebody else. Right. That is not the, there's not this cap on it. Right. There's not a cap on the value you can provide to somebody. You can provide. It's an infinite amount. Why Why does you know uh, Mark Benioff or or Bill Gates or you know th- these huge tech giants? do so much and have so much wealth is because they figured out a way to create a ton of value for a ton of people. And it doesn't mean you have to go out and do that. But what I'm saying is that, you know, the 10%, you know, earning, you know, increase your income by 10% per year is possible if you figure out ways to educate yourself. Uh, you know, it's, it's personal development and it's really saying, okay, what are my skills? What are my traits? What am I good at? And how can I take that and provide that to somebody else so that they will find it valuable enough to give me some of their money? And then of course, making your assets work for you. Exactly. And that's where you say, you know, right there, that's one of the best investments that you can, that you can make. And, you know, if you are earning more then you can have experiences and do things and, and so forth. So I would say if you were to choose the path between, you know, sacrificing everything fun and getting rid of all of your debt versus figuring out a way to educate yourself and be more valuable to your employer or be more valuable to your patrons. I mean, clearly the choice is that it may be a little bit harder. Okay. But in the end, that is really, you know, I would say what adds to the experience of, of life. And really it gives you more gratification than to look at your bank account with, you know, a couple thousand dollars in there and no credit card debt. (laughs) You know the uh, have you seen those ads those direct TV ads? I don't think they're on anymore, but it has the the settlers. Have you seen those ads yeah, yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. with yeah. The, that you've got the the neighborhood and it's all nice big houses and, and then you have the settlers that are settlers. I always kind of joke, yeah. ah, Dave Ramsey. That's Dave Ramsey, right there. That's him. Yeah, it's like it's the guy that you know it spends ten dollars in gas to go across town to save five cents on a per gallon or something. Yeah, like I see. Yeah. I know those guys. Yeah. It's it's crazy. They drive me crazy. And the idea is it's like the to them there's there's a logical a logical uh, point which you know convinces them that that's the right thing to do 
But at the same time, you look at the other side of it, and it's like, yeah, okay, that's logical, and you have a gain there, but look at what it costs you. And yeah. nobody ever looks at the cost of doing it. Right, right. Well, speaking of the cost, uh, we, we did start this episode saying, hey, look, let's take a look at the election. Let's take a look at Trump and Hillary. Trump Hillary. Uh, is The first question I would have, and I think a lot of people have this question, uh, is can the election cycle before the actual election takes place can that affect the economy? For sure. Oh yeah. When you have the primaries, and then when you have uh, when you have the general election, mm -hmm. does that affect the economy in a positive or a negative way? Well, it depends. I mean, it depends on what the what the market sees, right? So if you if you look at you know whether it's jobs announcements or uh, GDP or uh, you know statements by the Federal Reserve or unemployment numbers or new jobs created. I mean, there are these expectations that are set in advance of the announcement, right? And the market prices that in. And so, if the announcement actually holds true to that, uh, you know, to that initial announcement or that initial, you know, survey, mm -hmm. then typically the market's not going to do much at all. It's really the market takes a dive when the, you know, the actual data is in is in uh, contradiction or different than what the announcement was in the beginning. So, so, uh, so do people uh, like the Fed? Let's take the Fed for example. When you have an election cycle such as this one, where uh, the candidates are extremely polarized. Uh, what does Wall Street do? What does the Fed do? Do they react based on, on um, say, Trump? A, a Trump video comes out, or Hillary says something crazy. Uh, does Wall Street react to that? Does the Fed react to that typically? No, I don't think I don't think Wall Street's reacting that, to that yet. Um, and you know, right now, I think you know Janet Yellen and the the Federal Reserve. I mean, their their agenda is pretty clear. They want you know X amount of growth, and they want X amount of unemployment, and they're willing to do this in order to get that. And it's just the same policies they've had for for a long time. And really, if you look at election years, there's typically not a lot of change that happens, right? Everybody waits. Yeah, they'll right? they'll wait till after, and that's where the markets will start to really you know go one direction or the other. And it's going to really be, you know, based on what you know Hillary's proposals are or what Trump's proposals are. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that's other. It's bizarre to me because it's not like they can wave a magic wand and suddenly change everything, right? They can't do that. Right? No, There's this, no. Know, our nation was designed to move much slower than that. Yeah. I think that, I think a lot of <laughs> people may not understand that. Yet, thankfully, yeah. So that we can't knee jerk. Exactly. Uh, our our system is set up to move very very slowly. Yep. Uh, that is one of the things that kind of bugs me about the election is that there's all this talk thrown around. It's bandied about by both candidates about change and immediate change. And our system isn't set up like that. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, I know Hillary has said that, well, I'm going to put, you know, my husband in charge of the economy because he did so well back in the day. But it's like he didn't even do any of that. It was Congress that did it. Yeah. Right. Because Congress was, you know, the majority was GOP. So it, it's it it's one of those things where the credit given to the president, I don't think is often earned by the president. But okay. and, and, and the other okay. way, other way around, right? When you know you, you look at really the Bush, what you know, what happened with that, uh, you know, the the bubble in the real estate market and the and the subsequent and the crash, crash yeah. right? You look at all well, those Bush's fault. It's like, well, a lot of the policies that created lax lending standards were before Bush. Yeah, I never right? looked at and, it like it was his fault. And so it's kind of like you, everybody, you know, they're the scapegoat and they're the hero, right? And I don't think that's, I don't think that's neither fair. are accurate. Yep. Uh, how they're supposed to be a leader. They're supposed to be, they're spo they're supposed to be a leader, right? The leader is supposed to inspire. It's supposed to bring people together. It's, I mean, that the role of the president, I think, has changed drastically over the last couple hundred years, and it's. Is it more important or less important? I, I mean, I think it's more important, but for the wrong reasons. Because it's, I don't know, it's just hmm. one of those things. It's creating. 
I mean, and I think both parties right now are are guilty of it. They create create kind of like a warfare amongst each other, right? Where it's like, well, we're, this party is this, and this party is that, and we're this way, and we're that way, and we're going to do this for you, and we're going to do that for you. And I just, I don't know that that's to me that's not that's not leader because you create factions, and when you're a leader, you unite. When you're a leader, you inspire, you motivate. And I think that you know there are some presidents in history that have, uh, you know, they've exemplified that you know that role. But right, right now, I just don't see that in either of them because they're very demagogue. You know, they're demagogues, and they're also you know very partisan. Yeah, well, and I I know that there are, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are listening right now that will say, well, that that may may have studied history in college. If you go clear back to even to Thomas Jefferson and Andrew Jackson and their fights that they had, yeah. uh, it, there there were some very partisan, very bitter bitter battles that were fought. Uh, even clear back then, uh, really nasty things said about one another. However, there always seemed to be a coming of the minds Consensus. after the election took place, and I don't really see that happening. Mm -hmm. I haven't really seen it happen. Uh, gee, I, I would probably say since Reagan. Yep. I was really young when Reagan was around, mm -hmm. but it seemed to me that everybody kind of coalesced behind him. And yeah. since then... Well, he was an inspiring figure. I mean, he was right. nice. He was personable. I mean, he was an actor, but he was personable. And I think that, and, you know, JFK was very similar, where it, there's a natural attraction. And I think Obama kind of possessed that to a to a degree. Yeah. Okay. But there's some things I think that, that he did that, you know, that, that all went, went away. But I think that, you know, the... People are when they're they're honorable, when they're motivational, when they're inspiring. Okay, that is what I think people want in a leader and a president. Would you say that either one of these candidates are inspiring or honorable? No, I, I think you know, and, and it's it's unfortunate because you know I we have a you know there's an interview that we did a few years ago with uh, Donald Trump Jr. Yeah, and and I got to spend some time with him, and he's I mean incredibly personable guy, right? Uh, intelligent, humble. Um, very, you know, he was engaging, engaging, and, articulate, and understanding of what we were. I mean, it was it was a great experience, but and I was hoping that, that would, you know, some of those characteristics would come out, you know, in the in the campaign with Trump, but it's just gone kind of the other direction, unfortunately. It, it's a it's a little spooky to watch. It is, um, yeah, it's it's sad. I, I think I keep falling back on history. Uh, I do as somebody who studied politics. I keep falling back on history. That look, you know, even during the Reagan campaign, things were pretty nasty between him and George Bush Senior. They mm -hmm. were they were pretty bad, and then with him and Jimmy Carter, they were pretty bad. And mm -hmm. no one remembers that. I think, and that's what I'm kind of hoping here is that people don't remember the fights that were fought. Is that even the right way? I don't even. Anyway, uh, I don't know that people will remember those. Um, I, I think it's going to be hard. <laughs> I, I, I think you're right. I think you're very, very right. And, yeah. that, and that concerns me a little bit. And so I found myself kind of wondering, uh, especially during the debates last Sunday, mm -hmm. I, I found myself wondering, well, I wonder what happens to the economy if if Hillary wins or if Donald Trump wins, mm -hmm. who would be better for the economy? Mm -hmm. And I want to try and be as 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 nonpartisan as I can be because, mm. you know, much love and respect. I happen to be one of those people that I don't think the nation can exist without the two sides. If you have one side that's in power for too long, you have corruption yep. and it goes both ways. Yep. So I think the checks and balances need to be there. So I want to try and be as bipartisan as I can with mm. this question for you. But yeah, yeah. Uh, who, which president do you think would be better for the economy and, and for finance yeah. and for insurance and things like that? Well, I would I would say I think it's important to step back and, and, un, and understand what the 
what the economic plans are because I think both of them are are flawed in, in my in my perspective. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't know how to put one of those together. I mean, I have ideas from a philosophical standpoint, but you know, they have so much data and so many ways to. Well, if we yeah, but you don't have this, access to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and so, but at the same time, from a principle, you know, easy to understand standpoint, I think people are very misled when it comes to how an economy works, right? And right. and so here's, I think there's kind of two distinguishing. Uh, you know, two distinguishing uh, paths. Okay, the first path is the government uh, initiates change. Okay, so what that okay. means is, you know, from a Hillary standpoint, they tax, and you know, the, the upper, you know, the upper class has to pay their fair share. We keep hearing that, which I'll get right. to in a second. Right. Right. And it's, you know, it increases tax revenue. Right. Where does that tax revenue go? You know, in a perfect world, right, the tax revenue goes to government you know, programs. It goes to government programs to build a road and do infrastructure here. But here's the deal. There, you know, you look at Hillary's plan, and I think it would bring, you know, an extra like five hundred billion dollars to uh, in in revenue. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we have twenty trillion dollars in debt, right? And we are spending and rising, and we're spending a, tr- you know, right now. And her spending is going to go up a little bit, the, a trillion dollars in debt every year. So it's kind of like if you have twenty trillion and you're adding one trillion to that. And you bring in, I think it's like we bring in like five trillion in tax revenue. Uh huh. So in that you look at the interest on that debt plus the deficit it's spending, it's like it's uh, it, it, it's, it's not going go to it's not going to go to infrastructure, right? right? So so my point is, if there was no debt, okay, and it was a balanced a balanced budget, right? They they couldn't you know add to the deficit, then it may make sense right for some of her initiatives from a principled standpoint but right now it it doesn't so but also you know in a in the traditional sense of the word is that the government's role right the government's role is not necessarily to to stimulate that type of change or that type of economic growth well that's where i have the problem you know i have problems on both sides of the aisle for the record again we're being bipartisan here nonpartisan, i should say uh, but when the left is embracing social program after social program after social pro- program as kind of their their narrative, that is their platform, yep. at least over the past, uh, I would think, probably 15, 20 years, it's all social issues that are their platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It, it does worry me from an economic standpoint. Okay, social programs, they make people feel good at a certain income level, but mm-hmm. before long, everyone is at that yeah. income level if all you're focusing on are social programs. But at the same time, you also look at really, you know, there's <laughs> there's a book by, by Robert Kiyosaki. It says that um, A students work for C students and B students work for the government. So wow, and it's a fascinating, fascinating book. But the idea is, you have you know the the government is trying to really take money and no string. There's really no strings attached, mm-hmm. right? And they're trying to take it and initiate growth. They're trying to do this and this and and you know looking at programs. I think there are you know certain programs that maybe warrant you know tax revenue, but in the end, what's really going to create the the growth and I would say it's those that have skin in the game and there is a scarcity component which is they can lose right yeah. the government can't lose with right. private nature it, it, they can lose now looking at you know Trump and just just with you know and this is interesting so I'm surprised he didn't really use uh, this train of thought when it came to his taxes mm-hmm. but with with Trump I mean he paid are you talking zero. about his personal taxes this is what you're talking yeah, and about then I'll, okay. and then I'll gravitate toward you know his his economic Got policy okay. which is which is still kind of Hillary-ish but it's still similar okay 
uh, or it's still you know similar to his personal tax situation. Okay. But paying so if you look at the tax revenue that comes in, it's it's five you know five trillion dollars ish okay mm-hmm. per per year. Okay. If you look at the tax credits, okay, based on individuals putting money into a specific part of the tax code, it's mm-hmm. like twenty trillion. So oh, what wow. that means is, if you know, let's say it's a you know a billionaire that you know puts a, a billion dollar, half a billion dollars into a, a, a housing assistant or a, a low income housing project, or mm-hmm. they put money into you know charity, or they you know they they build they have a building and they depreciate you know the 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 value of that building and not, don't have to pay as much tax on that. Okay, okay that is that's stimulating the economy, right? That is creating housing. Uh-huh. Okay, it is basically and jobs putting to build that jobs and so forth. But yeah. but you look at really what he did. Congress is the one that created all of the different parts of the tax code, and they do that so that people will put money there. They're incentivizing them to say, "Listen, I don't want you to pay tax. I'd rather have you put money there." That's what the tax code is. It's a, it's kind of like a map so that you don't have to pay taxes, but you're putting money into areas that the government wants you to put money into. Okay, and okay. that's the tw- the twenty trillion dollars. So okay. now he used you know this you know these passive loss rule. I mean he he used some things there, but again the tax the tax code is really right you know whether it's Warren Buffett or, or whomever that don't pay a lot of, of tax or whatever is called the the fair share. Right, it's because they're putting money into things that are actually helping and stimulating and building companies and, and, and they're building getting the, the kickbacks economy. that way. Yeah, and they're getting the credits that way. Right. So it's kind of like the option is. I pay tax, money goes to the government, government tries to figure out what to do with it, or I put money into things that I control and things that are going that I'm going to be able to, you know, uh, determine as the right place to to stimulate the economy. It's interesting Does that make to me because yeah, well, perfect sense, but the way you're describing it is that it's almost you have these one percenters for lack of a better term that are stimulating growth through government programs in some cases and then they're vilified for getting the tax breaks. Yeah, and it's, we're doing it, it, the government programs that they're getting the breaks to do, and that's class warfare. I mean, that's that's where it's saying it's the it's 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 putting the haves versus the, the against the have-nots, and that is really where I think it's they have to pay their fair share, and people well, look at that really like, oh yeah, they have to do to that. Me, but but people don't really go into the details where they remove emotion from it and just look at the logical basis for why the tax code exists. So. so um, Man, so many questions here, Patrick. What about a flat tax? Would a flat tax actually work? If you had a candidate that said, because we run into those libertarian candidates a lot that say a flat tax. I think Steve Forbes, Steve Forbes Jr. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Steve Forbes was the first guy Mm -hmm. to, uh, to, no, he wasn't a junior, was he? Malcolm Forbes. was. Anyway, uh, he was the first guy in my memory to propose a 10% flat tax. It seemed really attractive to me at the time. It does Mm -hmm. to this day, but I don't know because of our deficit if it would actually work. Well, also because of how the tax code works right now, you have to look at so there's there's two things from, you know, a purely kind of philosophical principled standpoint. Yeah, flat tax I think would make would make uh, more sense. Okay, and this was kind of Reaganomics to an extent. It wasn't flat, but it was uh-huh. basically if you brought taxes down, you would create spending, okay, which would go into the hands of other people which would, would then be pay trickle taxes. down, trickle would, down. Would tr- the trickle down economics right. idea. But if you look at really how long our our tax code, this marginal code with you know ton, I mean thousands and thousands of pages and statutes, there have been industries created, okay, because of those tax incentives. Okay, uh-huh. so suddenly if you go to a flat tax, those industries would be wiped out. 
So you got oh, to be very careful. I see. Right? So if you go into like charities, or you go into low-income housing, or you go into oil and gas, you go into, you know, other other places where they can, you know, build business and invest in infrastructure. Farming, I guess, farming, would fall, yeah. yeah. So that would, those industries would be drastically affected and create unintended consequences. Because we're too dependent on the tax code. Absolutely, yep. So to get, realistically, to get a flat tax to work, it would take probably decades. It would. You have to wean, uh, you have step to wean by in, step, wean yeah, wean it. off. And I think that would be very, very simple, but I would say, what you have to look at why they're stating flat tax, okay? And it's really to appease their constituents, right? So I would say, you know, the, especially the libertarian crew, they're very big on low low taxes or no sure. or no taxes, or no taxes, okay? But at the same time, you got to look not at not realistic at all. Yeah, but you have to look at the unintended consequences. Really, for that to to take effect, it's not going to just happen overnight. It's going to okay. take a long time, and it's going to be some unwinding, massive disruption. And I don't know. I mean, I think a weaning process is is much is much better. But okay. you look at, you know, and I would say, there's two things from a business standpoint, especially with with Trump's economic plan. One of the things which is fascinating to me is he would create uh, kind of like this holiday where uh, those that hold businesses and individuals that hold assets offshore can repatriate at like 10%, 10% tax. Okay? okay. And there's like, I think there's like, you know, in the last couple of years, like $2 trillion of corporate profits held offshore. And there's like 20 trillion in private assets, private American assets held offshore. The reason why they don't bring it on shore is because they would have to pay taxes on that. And the tax rates are are really high. I mean, you you know, personal income taxes are at forty percent. Uh, you know, you look at corporate taxes, they're at, you know, the thirty, thirty five percent. They're yeah. super high. So so they want to hold it offshore in other jurisdictions, right? So that they, you know, can don't pay taxes it's on safer. it. So if you look at repatriation, now businesses will will have capital in the US. The other thing associated with business is when a business makes a decision to invest in this, you know, building or this machinery or this project or this workforce, okay, they, they're not going to get a return overnight. It's going to be, you know, five years. years, 10 years, 15 years. So when they look at the uncertainty that exists in taxes, in the economy, in politics, they don't want to make any decisions, mm -hmm. okay? Because one of the decisions that could happen Impact could totally else. wipe out, you know, all sorts of planning. So they don't even want to make a move. So the certainty associated with this is what it's going to look like for the next, you know, five years or 10 years or whatever, that will help businesses make investment. But if that doesn't, if that certainty doesn't exist, then businesses are going to keep doing what they're doing, which is hoarding. Regardless who the candidate is. Yep. Okay. And, that's, and that velocity, because you got to realize that, you know, $1 in the economy, if a business starts to invest in the economy, okay, that money changes hands. And then that money changes hands. And then right. that money changes hands. So you have this whole kind of ripple effect, which would totally help to a degree, but it could also cause some inflation issues. So anyway, there's okay, so we're just in a, such a manipulated economy where I don't know what the right it's thing to do is. It's terrifying. To hear you talk about this for a layman, uh, somebody that's brand new to the economy, they probably are having trouble even wrapping their brain around this. To an expert, that's terrifying. Yep. That's really scary to, to listen to. So yep. um, uh, two questions. I don't even know if you can answer them, but I'm going to try. Okay. Okay. Uh, you're very educated on the economy. Uh, I've heard, uh, you would never say this, I've heard people say that you're, some of the systems that you have put together, some mm -hmm. of the strategies you put together are some mm -hmm. of the best in the world, mm -hmm. which is, you should be very flattered to hear this. So mm -hmm. my question for you is, uh, question number one, if it's President Donahoe, mm -hmm. you and the First Lady are sitting in the White House, mm 
what would you do with the economy? Well, I would never, ever want anything close <laughs> to that. I would never want to be in politics, period. Like, I like, I'm yeah. private. I like my quiet time. And yeah, anything remotely there close is no to that quiet would be time, yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a really hard question. Yeah, I, I, I didn't say, know if you I, could answer it, but well, uh, I always, I mean, I always gravitate toward a, a person. And this, sound, this may sound bad, but a person knows what's best for them, and and they may not. But in the end, I, I don't want to tell people what to do. I think people should be able to make their own decisions as long as it doesn't and live and die by. As them. long as it doesn't violate, you know, my safety and and my and my rights. Sure. And you know, looking at uh, taxation, I mean, I think there's it's it's so hard. I mean, a perfect world, right? Before 1913, the government worked on no income tax. Sure. Right. And even in 1913, only if there's a tiny portion of the population that was taxed, wasn't that much mm-hmm. at all. And this just gotten out of control. So I would I would say, you know, the main issue, in my opinion, isn't necessarily the tax side of things. It's the Federal Reserve. Okay. Because if you look at Federal Reserve was created in 19- something we haven't even talked about yet. We haven't, and that and this wasn't even addressed in you know Hillary or or uh, Trump's you know economic plan. But uh-huh. the Federal Reserve was created in 1913. Tax code was created in 1913. So that should tell you something. But if you look at the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve allows the government to essentially deficit spend. Okay, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the the trillion dollars that they're going into debt each year, right? It doesn't exist right now. Okay, but what the Federal Reserve does is they create it. The government creates bonds, and then the Federal Reserve purchases those bonds, and the money goes to the Federal, that goes to the government, right? Yeah. And now they have all this money to to spend, and then there's interest on that. Now the government, you know, the government actually, you know, the interest is credited back to them, so there's kind of a zero interest. But the Federal Reserve has really created a precedent throughout the entire world of basically creating money out of nothing, out of, out of thin air, right. right? And the interest that has to be paid on that comes from tax revenue. So that's where the tax, tax, tax comes from. That's why I said in the beginning, it's like we have $20 trillion of, uh, of debt, okay? That's a lot. And I know trillion, we, we throw that it's word around. It's incomprehensible. You, you won't be, it, it's like, it's like f- stadiums and stadiums full of $100 bills. Right, yeah. it's it's just insane how how much money that is, and there's interest that has to be paid on it. Where is that interest payment coming from? You look at you know the tax revenue, five trillion dollars. There you go, uh-huh. and that's existed like that for a while. I mean, the Grace Commission that Reagan did, right. uh, you know, back back in the '80s, it said the same thing. It said the majority of tax revenue goes to pay interest on the debt. So it's one it's one of those things where I hate that so. But bad. unwinding it, right? If you abolish the Federal Reserve, I mean, right now the the economy, the markets, uh, lifestyle is so dependent on the policies that exist right now. And if mm. you were to unwind them, it's going to be chaos. But at it the same time, if they keep going on, I think it's going to be chaos too. So I don't know. You know, I I would say, and I, I don't think I'm that. I, I I read things, I listen to things, I've kind of put two and two together. But at the same time, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know. Right now, it's a flawed system. And in my opinion, and this this may sound bad, but in my opinion, in order for there to be really a, a true correction and movement in the right direction, yeah, there has to be major disruption. There has to be a major correction. And capitalism, the true nature of oh, capitalism is, is you let fail. just ominous, man. You fa- they have to <laughs> fail. So grim. So that's what I'm hoping. It's kind of like I my, my saving grace okay, is... That happens, but then there is the technology 
uh, compound curve and growth that is taking place is so the correction would be would be quick. It'd be very very big, but the recovery would be equally as quick. I, I hope and, because of technology and the advances that it's that it's making in healthcare, in computing power, in food production, in transportation, in energy. That's my saving grace is that that will help the rebound. Are there quickly. are there those that think that correction is coming soon or? I mean, there's there are guys that think it's been coming for 50 years, but there's others yeah, that you know that's, that's have true. said it too, and nobody knows. And but and nobody knows. I mean, it could continue to go on for. The, I mean, look at Japan. Yeah. So who who really who really knows? And it's really one of those like black swan events. Yeah. That really is the the catalyst to whatever the correction is. I mean, that's that was you know 2008 2009 where you had one you know one bank go under right you know you had you know lehman brothers start to go under you had bear stearns that start to go to go under because of a market that hardly anybody knew about which was the derivatives market Mm -hmm. and suddenly all these like you know insurance instruments started to to have to they were triggered and had to pay out and it's like crap we're bankrupt yeah and everybody was trying to figure out what to what to do and then the whole thing crumbled so it's well it had a massive impact on me i know it had a massive impact on you um i know that there's most of the people i know that were in business uh that were entrepreneurial at the time still haven't recovered you've recovered nicely congratulations Mm. um but I, you know, the the talk of that correction is, especially as somebody who is still, I still have the scars from two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah. That's yeah. just terrifying. So do I, and, I, and that's where that's where my mind my mind is still now coming out of it. I just I, I saw so many so many different things that I, they were staring me in the face. Yeah. But I didn't see them, and now now I see them, and it's helped me, but it's made me not pessimistic, but I would say I would say. Cautious, uh, op- optimistically cautious. Yeah, right. And it's and I think that's where individuals really have to you know to to look at their who they are and what the tr- what the true asset is. Most people put their asset as you know their bank account, their asset as their house, their asset as their car. Yeah. The true asset I think is the person, right? And the true asset is your ability well to produce yeah. because if it corrects and you have value. Right, doesn't matter what the currency is. Doesn't you matter what its value. You can go out, create value. You'll be compensated for it, and you'll pay your bills, whatever they are paid in. Right. Okay. Okay. So now, uh, the first question was, what would President Donahoe do? And the answer, you know, obviously was was way too complex to address here. Yeah, it's like abolishing the Federal Reserve, getting rid of. I mean, it's just it's creating the disruption. I would say, if I was president, I would say, we need to like. Disruption has to happen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Why you sound like the Joker? <laughs> I could be. Uh, I, I don't know if I could be that sinister. Okay. So uh, the second question I had is, and again, we're trying to be as nonpartisan as we can possibly be. I don't know who you're going to vote for. You don't know who I'm going to vote for. But uh, if uh, if this is like fantasy football, who of the two candidates is going to have a more positive effect on the economy if they're elected? Well, I'll put it, I'll put it two ways. Okay, because uh, I would say I would say both, but for different reasons. Okay? okay, so I think Hillary would actually have a positive impact on the economy because she would kill it, and that would create the disruption and the correction. <laughs> so seriously, because <laughs> when you said, okay, hold on a sec, when you said she would kill it, I thought, well, that was not the no, response no, 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 not, I was thinking. Not like, like you yeah, know, she's the, gonna like in a good gonna, way. She's no, gonna kill no, it. She's gonna she will kill the economy. Exactly. Like she's going to destroy the economy. Exactly. <laughs> Right, but and that would create the correction that you're that you're 
Exactly. What has I mean, to I'm, I'm surprised it didn't happen in Obama's second term. I think it's close. I think it's close. I mean, you look yeah. at the student loan debt. Uh, you look at incomes. You look at how many people. I look at the people that have blinders on yeah, to the problem. It's, the, it's, it, it's oh yeah, that's that's an understatement. And yeah. and it's really the amount of debt that exists. And there and the, this is the interesting thing. It's like you have you have the 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 objective of the Federal Reserve. And you know, kind of the the who's in the white the, the Obama administration? Right. They want growth. They want two to three percent growth, and it's like nobody is spending, nobody is investing. Therefore, you don't have that growth. But what do you? Where is money going? Money is going to technology mm-hmm. that is deflationary, which is pushing prices down. Right. That's the that's the irony. So, I would say with you know the student loan debt, the car loan debt. Uh, you even have a lot of speculation going on in development, right? Construction okay. and new homes and, and a lot of flipping still going on. Tons. You know, that the prices, you, nothing can grow to the sky, right? There's always, you know, there's a compound curve, but then it, it typically corrects into an S curve. So you look at, you know, really where we're at right now, I'm surprised that something hasn't happened because the black swan event hasn't occurred. And it could be, you know, a bond auction that goes bad. Um, it could be, you know, some sort of like, uh, you know, shutdown from uh, a, a bank shuts down or they do something stupid, Wells Fargo, but it could be like 10 times worse than that. Right. You know, and so that could be it. Who knows? But I would say it's very, it's on a, it's in a very fragile state right now. And I would say Hillary would push it over the edge. Okay. I think her policies would push it over the edge. Okay. Now let's switch to Trump. Okay. You said Trump would benefit the economy in, in what way? Yeah. So I, so here's, and <laughs> You're a this lot more decisive my, about Hillary than I don't you know. are about Trump. Well, no, I, I am kind of decisive about Trump. I'm just trying to figure out how to articulate it. So Trump said something interesting a few months back. He said, we should just go bankrupt. The entire nation declare bankruptcy. The, the yep. government... So you have to look at what bankruptcy means. Okay. So Trump understands bankruptcy, mm-hmm. right? And everyone's like, oh, he sucks as a businessman. It's like, and I, again, I, I'm not I, trying I to, I'm not talking about him as the person, but it's like, he tried something. He took a risk. He put money here. He put money there. Which right? is the American way. And he took advantage of the bankruptcy right. code for, and it, it exists for that reason. Right. Right. If you look at really what true bankruptcy is, okay, most people, bankruptcy is like you're, you're absolved of all of your liabilities absolved of all your debt you have no more responsibility that's not true bankruptcy mm-hmm. so bankruptcy is where you have a trustee that takes in all of the assets has all of the liabilities and tries to make the uh, creditors of the you know the liabilities right, right. make them as whole as possible given these assets that that's bankruptcy so looking and at then, and then whatever's left over is wiped away yeah correct? and i don't i don't know if it could survive that i i think it'd be there'd be chaos i mean it'd create probably world war three but with yeah. trump i mean he's doing the repatriation that could stimulate he's lowering corporate taxes to 15 percent ish right which that could stimulate i mean he's doing the right things he's got massive issues with the vat tax which drives me crazy i'm sure it drives you nuts yeah it, and i don't and know how much you're yeah. dealing with the vat i've had tons of dealings with the vat and yeah. man it's frustrating and he's and I, I don't know i don't know what'll happen but i would say right now it is bankrupt in my opinion i mean you you the way it's running it just can't i just can't see it happening much longer because the policies uh, simply don't make sense in my in my opinion. And I could be totally wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I look at you know really him, and he understands that he understands the business side, he understands negotiation. Mm-hmm. And if it went into that state, you know, it, I don't think there's a better person to negotiate it. But I, I still okay. don't think I still think it's too I think it's, it's too fragile. But if there's anything that saved it, it would be that. Okay. But that's um, and I know that's probably not the answer that you were even expecting. Well, no, but that's, that's kind of how I, I mean. 
That's how I logically look at it. Well, no, I think I think it's actually a really good answer. I think it's the answer that people are hoping for, which is the real answer. Uh, it would be very easy to go, well, Trump sucks and Hillary's awesome or vice versa. But yeah. it's either way, you're going to get that adjustment. It's just in the way it's going to come. I mean, yeah. is that really what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I just don't I don't see how it, that it's sustainable I, more than a few a few more years. Oh, now, but it could be the here. So here's the other thing, too, is like you could have like the black but, swan, but you have the white swan, which is. You could have like this, you know, this technology that's created and suddenly like, you know, we have so much, you know, everything, you know, they can do away with the debt or they can, I don't know. I mean, there, there's all sorts of anomalies that nobody knows about. Well, and you know what comes to mind for me, and this is going to sound really oddball, so forgive me, but yeah. what comes to mind for me was FDR back in the day looking at his coming out of the depression and yeah. dealing with uh, the economical issues that he had. Mm -hmm. And then came the war and how yeah. the war could change everybody's economy yep. how the war could stimulate industry and uh you know there's all kinds of conspiracy theories out there that he yeah. let pearl harbor happen knowing full well mm -hmm. what it would do for the economy and that was the adjustment back then yep so you're i you know you're probably right it's scary to think it's really i mean really terrifying to yeah. think about well there's a cool book i don't know you ever heard of tom woods does that name ring about uh, yeah absolutely yeah so he has he has a, a really cool podcast smart smart guy but he he wrote um he wrote a book about the great depression uh -huh. and it is it's it's fascinating maybe we'll, we'll put, post on the show notes um but it's fascinating because he goes in and he talks about you know fdr and just the misconception there which was you know fdr saved people from the great depression he exact actually ac exacerbated it yeah and also the war most people think oh the war is what really you know got people out of the great depression it's like no there's there's other economic you know economic things that, oh that so am that i am i wrong to think that then was well that that's the rhetoric i mean that, that's that, what well people, that is that's what, what history believe. tells you yeah yeah yep. and so this is you oh know, that's interesting this is a guide to you know really some other uh, the other side of the coin yeah so that you can take everything that we've been taught which is fdr saved us from the great depression right then you can look at the other opinion and then you can make the decision for yourself right but Tom Woods really. What is good. the name of this book? I think people need to go. We, yeah, it's, it's got to be in the show notes. Uh, and people got to go check it out. It's the Guide to the Great Depression. I can't remember. I can't remember the name of it. We'll research the, it. We'll make sure it's in the show. Yeah, notes, we'll, we'll that, make sure it's awesome. in the show notes. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't read it in a couple in a couple years. But Tom Woods is is brilliant. I mean, he wrote some of the first books that uh, came out of uh, 2008 2009 uh, meltdown specifically. They kind of went into the details of what happened and why it occurred, and yeah. it was the contrarian perspective. It wasn't. Okay. Hey, you know, it was people were being stupid with their credit and they were, you know, taking on more house than they can own. No, it was it was basically uh, government policy and stimulus by the Federal Reserve and, you know, fraud and Fannie Mae and countrywide. And, you know, it, he went into those details that, you know, basically gave the other side of the coin. And that's why I always try to look for. I don't like popular opinion. Now, popular opinion could be right. Okay. But at the same time, I don't want to take popular opinions word for it. And, I want and to know the, the conversation other argument. comes all the way back around to the beginning because yeah. what a lot of these finance guys are saying is not wrong. It's completely right, but yeah. unattainable and unrealistic for the vast majority of people that listen to yeah. it. And I would say you need to know both sides. And if you know both sides, that's going to help you make the best decision. All right. Very good. Okay. So, uh, listen, before we, you know, before we kill this, I, I, I have to ask. Um, you taking a, you know, you're a well, well-traveled, learned man. Uh, it's not a, uh, it's not a, uh, a partisan question at all. I want you to take all of your education and say, who do you think is going to win the election? Who I think is going to win? Yeah. 
I was going to say who I'm going to vote for. I'm no, gonna, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not asking who for, you're going to vote for. I'm still going to vote for Ron Paul, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man, that's that's hard. If I were to if I were to bet, it'd be, it'd be Hillary. You think? Yeah. Yeah. It, if you were to place just, odds in Vegas, you're, you would well, say. Well, I'd be curious to see what happened after uh, uh, after the debate on Sunday. Right. But okay. I, yeah, it's, it's one of those, yeah, with, I think it could go both ways, but. You know, just looking at the connections and looking at the the that she knows the political game better than anybody, and and I think that she, unless like you know Julian Assange comes out with something that's like huge, huge, yeah, huge, then uh, <laughs> you know I, I think I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be her you know and I, like I said it, it's here's the other thing too is the, the the president whether it's Trump or Hillary it's just I don't know I think the president is is not the president role should not be what dictates how the country runs. There's too many okay. other factors. I think their primary role is the leader. It's to unite. It's to bring people together. And I don't think we've had that for a, a long time. It's been time. a long time. It's been a long time. I, I would agree with that. Well, listen, uh, you've got to promise me that uh, we're going to do a series I'll totally at some point do. here on the Wealth Standard Radio. We're going to do a series where you debunk a lot of the popular finance expert mm-hmm statements and philosophies and platforms can we do yeah, that for sure would you be, i yeah. mean that puts you in a weird spot but no, would you no i think you know we 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 subscribe uh on purpose to money magazine which is kind of owned by all the financial right firms that are out there and it is just full of nuggets and we can uh, we can just let's re- do we it can just read that stuff and just be like uh okay here's their opinion this is why it makes sense is the motivation but here's the other side oh you're gonna make so many people mad yeah, i love it i don't know yeah, let's it's, do it that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Making people mad. I mean, I, I don't know. I never get mad because I'm wrong a lot. And I'm like, yeah. tell me I'm wrong. I mean, so I'll, get, I'll be, you know, on the air, uh, say this, but Jenny, and we have a great relationship with, with, with some of our advisors, well, all sure. the advisors in the office. So she came to my office and said, Hey, I need to, I need to help you with some language scrubbing. And, wow. and so she came in and said, listen, you, this is what you, this is what you say. And this is how it comes off. And, you know, she said, you know, you say this and this she and this. She called I'm it like, language scrubbing. That's yeah, yeah. a new term and for she, me. Okay. And I was like, I was like, man, I, that totally makes sense. And I, if I change it to this, that would make, that would basically mean what I really intend. She's like, yep, absolutely. Huh. So that's the thing is, I, I, I think you look in the end of, you know, a person. And if a person is not willing to admit that they're fallible, that they're wrong, that right. they're, I, it's that is a, that's a red, big red flag uh, for me, and that's where you know both Hillary and uh, Trump reside is in that arena. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand why they do it because you know they're trying to look the part, be the part, appease their constituents their as well sure. as you know all the fencers. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's like that. I just think you know a, a leader is one that you know has that you know they they're always learning, they're always improving, they're always you know willing to you know introspect and to receive criticism and to really take it hard and say, wow, maybe I should change this or think about that differently. And and that's where I'm at. I mean, I mm-hmm. I could be totally wrong on a lot of things that I that I say, um, but I'm always searching for not who's right but what's right. Okay. So the next four years, regardless of who wins, are going to be better or worse. I think they're again. It, it's you, you don't know. It, it, I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be better, and this is why. I think there's never going to be utopia. I mean, human beings. We are. We're a very, very cyclical. Where we, you know, we have kind of prosperous times, and then we're we're humbled, right? And mm-hmm. things correct, and we learn. 
mm-hmm. and we are resilient and mm-hmm. we can come back and we make things better. I mean, this has gone on the, for, throughout history, sure. right? And we need that correction. Oh, it's gone on for me. It's gone on for you. Yeah. I yeah. just, I just see behavior that just to me doesn't make sense and it's, and it's, uh, irrational and there's, I think there's some correction that's going to be on. I mean, irrational is, is why would a parent go into a hundred thousand dollars of debt for their student to get a you know a degree in something that's going to pay them $30,000 a year. That, that that's happening all over the place. But oh, it doesn't sure. make any it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So there and that's just one example, but whether it's houses or cars or people are making decisions that are irrational and in order for them to really wake up, they can either say, "Wow, I should change things" or mm-hmm. You know, something smacks them on the face, and they and, have, they have, and to, they change have to change. Yeah. Right, and that's been my experience, and I, I've basically come to the conclusion that if I'm not open to to feedback and not open to improving and not open to this and this and this, then it'll happen. It'll something will smack me in the face and have me do it anyway. So what, would, what what's easier? <laughs> so I would say the next you know the next four years I think are going to be better because human beings are. Uh, you know, we're resilient. We're learning. We're always wanting. We're adaptable. We're always wanting to progress. And I think we're living in one of the most amazing technological times in, in history, period. And seeing what's coming down the pipe, I, I think, is very, very exciting, which I think could change the entire, you know, landscape of, of society. And I think you've just set the table for the next, like, 20 podcasts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, thanks for letting me be on the show, man. No, Chunga, you're amazing, man. This is this has been uh, this has been cool. You're gonna have me back. For sure. I get to, I get to come 100%. back and be on the Well Standard again. Hundred percent. Nice. Whenever, yeah, you can be here. You're yeah, you're you're here. You come whenever you want. Thanks, let's brother. do yeah. Let's do a let's do a series in the next uh, next little bit on Money Magazine. Maybe finish off. Call the year everybody with that. out, and we'll keep doing the politics stuff because that's not gonna end until you know. November. Well, it's what everybody wants to talk about. For sure. So yeah, cool. All right, everyone. Thanks uh thanks for listening again. We're on YouTube, so you can go check us out and and see Chunga. The man, the myth, In the all legend. my glory. Yeah, and you can uh, kind of vote whether or not he should be the new uh, Dos Equis guy once, <laughs> once the most interesting man in the world right. you know, jumps off a click, cliff and, uh, and doesn't survive. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, th- thanks uh, for listening. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.